Hello, my name is Tia, and this is my journey on how I learned to bloom. Thanks for joining me. So this week, I thought I would talk to you guys about mental health. There are so many specifics I can get into on this topic, but I thought I'll just start talking and see where this conversation takes me. And as always with these episodes, my goal is just basically to let people know that they're not alone and that these are common challenges for so many people, everyday people just like myself. I have actually heard a lot over the years how it always seems like I'm so put together and I especially heard that when I was a single parent. And the thing about it is that I really wasn't. I was not immune to mental health challenges or regular day-to-day challenges that literally everybody in the world faces. And then at the same time, those struggles that I went through also didn't make me any less put together. I am just a person like everybody else trying to get through this crazy life and I thought maybe that would make me qualified (laughs) to share about the things that I've been through and hope that maybe another everyday person just like myself can relate to it and look forward to this and use it as a way to remember that they're not alone. And I've learned coping mechanisms over the years. It's taken a long time for me to learn different things. And I've accumulated tools in my tool belt. And some of them have come naturally just over the years of learning different life experiences. And others I've had to work really hard at. And especially when it comes to staying consistent with using those different coping techniques. But either way, here I am now, and I would say that I'm feeling the best that I have ever felt mentally. So I thought it was a good time to share a bit of my story with you guys. So yet again, here is my life. I have struggled with some form of mental health challenges for as long as I could remember. I actually faced a fair amount of adversity growing up as a young child, so I remember constantly feeling anxiety and I would actually get pretty bad stomach aches um yeah I would actually go home from school I mean fairly often I would say obviously the number of times is a bit fuzzy in my brain but yeah I remember it being quite a bit um I would go home from tummy aches and I don't think at the time my parents knew what was going on with me, but I believe it's quite obvious now, all of these years later. I won't take up time on this episode explaining the various challenges that I went through as a young child. I think I will save that for another episode, perhaps. (laughs) But I will say that there were quite a few things that made my childhood very difficult. And because of these various adverse childhood experiences, I believed that that sparked the start of my mental health challenges. So I wasn't in a very good place as a young kid. And yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you how I coped with it. I would say that I didn't cope with it. I didn't feel very safe and I didn't feel very connected to anybody. And a lot of the time I felt alone and I wondered why I was me. And yeah, it just, it sparked a lot of anxiety. So that was the start of it. When I was about nine years old, we actually made a huge move, which was so good for my mental health. 
and also at the same time, obviously caused a different level of anxiety knowing that we were going to be moving to a new province. But it was definitely the best thing that my mom could have done for my mental health at the time. I ended up getting to have a childhood that I felt like I didn't experience prior to this move, and I definitely felt full and genuine happiness for the first time in my life. And with that being said, the mental health challenges did not stop there. It definitely followed me through to my teen years. Teen years are tricky because I think that for a lot of people going through them, they already feel angst and resentment for different things and definitely feelings of isolation and feeling alone just because you're going through such a weird transition where you feel like an adult but you're not an adult. So I definitely had those feelings. I felt very alone and I actually lacked a lot of the validation that I needed badly and so instead of getting that I ended up turning to different avenues for seeking that validation which were not healthy boys, toxic friendships, alcohol, drugs. I was definitely involved in some really adult things at a very young age. And of course it numbed that pain that I was feeling at the time temporarily, but long-term all it did was feed into this spiraling depression that I was already experiencing. I actually ended up hitting a point where I ended up self-harming. And <laughs> I have never said that to anyone really. Um, yeah, not, at least not in a scenario like this where I'm talking openly and being vulnerable and speaking freely in sort of a public type scenario. I have told my husband during one of the many nights of discussing our experiences growing up, but yeah, I, I don't believe that I have just come out and said that before. It's not something that I like to admit, even to this day, I definitely still feel a certain shame about it, which I try to tell myself, you know, I was a kid, I was struggling, I wasn't receiving everything that I needed to feel fully loved and supported and heard and validated, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel very good to say. I actually have a scar on my leg and... Yeah, I mean, every time I see it, I feel weird about it. Fortunately, I am able to show myself compassion now more than ever. And yeah, I just, sometimes I look at it and I feel like this certain <sighs> pit or tightness. And I think like, ugh, you know, um, but fairly quickly after I'm able to sort of smile to myself and, and not in a way that's like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just smile to myself and I show myself compassion and I just say, you know what? You were just a kid and you needed more and that's okay. I was smoking weed and drinking alcohol with boys way too old, as young as 13 years old, which I will say a lot of it did have to do with the small town that we lived in. Um, yeah, that was actually fairly normal in that time. And also that being said, I think it was fairly normal because there were a lot of kids growing up there who didn't get the love and support that they needed. So although living in this small town definitely had its negative consequences, I will still confidently say to this day that moving to this small town saved my life because where we were living before was way 
harder on my mental health as a child for other huge reasons. And I don't think I actually would have survived that had we not moved away. So, you know, I can look at my experiences and I can go, okay, whoa, that was really messed up and I was way too young and this and that. But I still think that it was better than the alternative. So I did end up working with a school counselor at one point, and I believe that he made a mockery of my feelings. So I never really did open up to him 100%. And I was already going through a time in my life where I would feel the most hatred and angst towards adults just because I was a teenager and I hadn't, like I had a lot of positive experiences with adults at this point. But yeah, no, I did not like that guy. And also, I'm sure that there was definitely something there that helped me. But when I look back at that time and try to think about what got me out of that dark hole, I would say that it was actually my friends. I had a dear friend who I spent a lot of time with at my house. And although I never talked to him about these things I was experiencing specifically, I definitely felt safe with him. And I knew that he genuinely loved me regardless of what ridiculous things I was getting up to, which was a lot. (laughs) And uh, he was not partaking in those activities at the time. But yeah, I never felt like he judged me. And I went through a lot of different phases in high school. And yeah, he stood by me through it all. And I still consider him to be a dear friend of mine. So I also had two other girlfriends who are also still best friends to me still to this day and they both made me feel like I was worthy of existing. I don't want to say names because of privacy but if you're listening I'm sure you guys know who you are and I want you to know that I love you guys so much and although I don't have any specific advice about what it's like to be a kid or be a teenager and healthily work through those mental health challenges all I can say is that those special relationships to me are absolutely what got me through and I know that I have read that about children before having strong emotional connection is the most important thing for their mental health and I can confidently say that in my experience I can agree with that so I guess that is the advice that I would give to make sure that the children and youth in your life or if you are that youth, to make sure that you have a strong emotional connection to someone who you can trust and makes you feel safe and supports you no matter what. And even if you're not exactly living the most healthy lifestyle, that these people or this person supports you enough to get you the help that you need. Eventually, we moved away from that small town, and I ended up gaining a lot of confidence living in this bigger city where we moved to. I went to an art school, and I was surrounded by other like-minded individuals who made me feel seen and heard, and the teachers cared so much and seemed to actually like being around us teenagers, which was not something that I had experienced previously in my other school. I felt like I was in a pretty good place. I definitely felt that genuine happy feeling again. And yeah, gosh, when I look back on those last few teen years, I was on top of the world. I was living my best teenage life, uh, really was picture perfect and full of life. I was working, finishing high school, dating boys. 
I had great friends, things were definitely great. And even through to graduating high school, I, I was happy. And I, you know, although I still suffered with some anxieties, and I had some down days, I would say overall, my mental health was pretty good. And then I graduated high school. And if you've listened to my abortion episode, then you'll know that I got pregnant after high school. And I fell into a pretty deep depression after my abortion. I felt a lot of emptiness and yeah, I don't think I was super confident with that decision that I had made. I don't want to give away too many details if you haven't listened to the episode, but it was definitely, although the right choice, I did not come to the decision very easily. It was not a crystal clear decision for me. And I think that with all the confusion leading up to the termination mixed together with the hormones that I felt after the fact, because a lot of people don't realize this, but you still experience the hormone imbalance after you have an abortion. It's similar feeling to postpartum depression. So yeah, I was really suffering. And that sort of led me into when I met my abuser and had children with him. And throughout these years of having children and experiencing domestic violence, I was so, so depressed. It was so hard that I didn't even think I would make it through a lot of the time. And up until getting pregnant with my first child, I was not on any sort of medication for depression or anxiety, and I didn't talk to anybody about it really. I had seen the one therapist, which was not a positive experience, and I didn't know if any of my friends were depressed. I didn't have any role models to turn to to talk about depression, where I would feel heard and listened to. So yeah, I just was really suffering alone and did not have any permanent solution. And then I continued to feel that way throughout my first pregnancy until I was well into my postpartum period. When I first found out that I was pregnant with my oldest child, it was during the thick of being abused. And so, of course, I was already quite depressed from going through that. And then comes the hormones. And, you know, pregnancy is not a cup of tea. So... Yeah, I was really down in the dumps, and it was hard to know what source was actually causing this, although I did end up leaving the father at some point to go live um, with my mom. And so I definitely felt a bit of relief after that, and so obviously I knew that I was quite depressed from being a victim of domestic violence. Being pregnant did not help it. I do have an episode on my entire domestic violence experience, so feel free to listen to that if you want more details. And then after the birth of my first child, I actually felt okay. I remember feeling fairly light, and I was just so happy to be a mom, even with the difficult home life that I was having as a new family, because at this point I did end up moving back in with the biological father. The thick of the postpartum depression didn't actually hit me until my first was closer to one year old. Up until this point, it was definitely the worst depression that I had ever felt. I actually ended up self-referring to a local mental health facility out of fear for what would happen if I didn't. 
during this time I was living at the transition house. I had left my abuser, aka the biological father. <laughs> I'm going through this episode and I'm like, keep calling him different things. And I guess that's because I don't know what the hell to call him. Um, I would like to call him motherfucker, but you know, I'm <laughs> trying to uh, refrain from using such language. <laughs> but yeah, I had left him yet again. And you know, I went back and forth, which again, more detail on that in the domestic violence episode. But yeah, at this time I was living in the transition house and, you know, I will say that was great actually, because I had a support worker there and gosh, they were so gracious and supportive of what I was going through. I actually remember going down and talking to her and yeah, I was telling her how I was feeling and she asked me if I needed to self-refer to this mental health facility and I just nodded my head yes and she started to dial the number and there I was, I was in. It wasn't a facility where I checked myself in for observation or where I stayed overnight or anything like that. It wasn't the hospital. It was, um, yeah, an outpatient type program, just a local mental health facility. And yeah, gosh, when I look back, I think, man, maybe I should have been uh, checked in to be observed. But in the moment, I felt confident that I was okay enough to not head that route. And I don't think that actually I was okay enough to not head that route. I think that I was just, I don't know. I think that I, I mean, what, what was I supposed to do? I had a one-year-old. I had nobody to take her. Where, where, where is she going to go if I needed to go to the hospital, right? Like it was just, I had no other option but to just hold on to every last strain of strength that I had and make it through. And fortunately I did. And obviously I don't want to say that that was because of strength only because I don't want to say that ending up in the hospital because of mental health means you're not strong because that's obviously not true. I just think that in my scenario, I really had no other option and, or at least I felt that way. And yeah, it, it took strength for me to get through that without needing additional help. And I will say a weakness of mine is that I'm not great at asking for help. So yeah, it was just all around a rough situation to be in. I was fairly alone during this time period. I mean, obviously I was single and yeah, I, I didn't have a ton of support at this specific moment. I was pretty isolated from friends because I mean, gosh, that's what happens when you're in an abusive relationship. They they love to make you feel like you have no other choice but to go back to them, which includes isolating you from your loved ones. So that was depressing in itself, but gosh, yeah, I was fucking down in the dumps, that's for sure. I did have some really good friends during this time period, and in fact, one in particular who I spent so much time with. She was really my rock during this period. And yeah, I couldn't even bring myself to be honest with these people. I just, I had so much shame around this struggle. And I will say that is something that I'm not great at, even to this day, is sharing my feelings with other people. So yeah, I just, I suffered in silence. So at the mental health facility, I ended up seeing a psychiatrist. And this is where I was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 2. 
that was six years ago and there are only about 10 people in my life to this day who know that uh, partly because it felt embarrassing to have this huge scary label on myself that people typically view as crazy um, but also because I've always felt like it was an inaccurate diagnosis and honestly I have no idea I still have no idea if it's correct um, at the time they started me on a medication for it. So this was the first time that I went on an antidepressant and yes, that helped me significantly. Um, but they also had me on a mood stabilizer and that was to help my minor manic episodes. I was told basically that bipolar type two is mostly depressive episodes and that you never fully reach a huge manic episode it's basically just like hypomania so it's not a full-blown manic episode the way that a person would experience in bipolar disorder type one um but yeah the mood stabilizers they they made me feel terrible they made me feel like a zombie so i actually just stopped taking them and yeah i i never gone back on them so and it hasn't been an issue I actually decided years ago that it was a wrong diagnosis and that I certainly did not have this disorder. Um, <laughs> and then I met my husband and yeah, I remember telling him that I had gotten this diagnosis, but yeah, I wasn't sure if it was correct or not. And uh, I could get into the why behind this, but I'll just leave it simple for now. I'll have to get him to come on and chat about this another episode. But uh, yeah, I'll just say he may beg to differ. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's not 100% uh, sure either. Obviously, he's not a mental health professional. But um, yeah, we, we laugh about it sometimes and go back and forth. But uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll do something crazy like I try to convince him to book a trip to Disneyland or I can't sit still and then we joke that I'm uh, a bit manic that day but uh, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know um, and it's funny because yeah I whatever it is it just is I I just wanted to share this part of my story with you guys but yeah I mean I'm not medicated for it and the label in itself doesn't change my life at all I mean I have mental health challenges regardless of what they are I know that they exist so yeah whatever it is I'm okay with and it's just a part of my story so at this mental health facility the most important thing that helped me actually was talking to the psych nurse she was amazing I still remember her which yeah maybe that sounds like okay it's no big deal that you remember her but I, I block out a lot of memories in my life um, and the fact that I can still see her face and remember her voice, that just speaks to how much she helped me. It was only six appointments, which I do think that they need a more long-lasting solution, but hey, it was better than nothing and yeah, it was enough to help me actually. So yeah, between talking to her and then obviously starting the antidepressants, that I am still on to this day, I am really grateful for my support worker at the transition house for asking me the tough question of, do you need to go to this place? And yeah, letting me know my options and yeah, just reminding me of my own strength and feeling that strength to know what I needed at the time and know that I needed to change something for myself and my daughter. 
it all helped tremendously and yeah, was a very vital point in my mental health journey. Although that helped me at the time a lot, I unfortunately can't say that it was magically all better after that. I did suffer domestic violence for quite a few years. So I continued to suffer from depression and anxiety and several other mental health challenges as well. So although there were some good times in between, it was definitely years of hardship. And overall, I would say I had an okay handle on my mental health. I had anxiety and down days. I mean, everybody does. Um, I would say even if you can't relate to mental health challenges as a whole, you can certainly relate to having feelings of distress or uncertainty. I mean, everybody has sad days, right? So... And I'm almost certain that everybody on this planet has experienced a level of anxiety in one way or another. So, you know, I'm sure whoever you are listening to this, I'm sure you can empathize with that feeling. I have a lot of memories over those years blocked out. And I know that it's just my brain's way of protecting myself. Um, but you know, obviously it's a bit frustrating when I can't recall certain memories or gosh, even if I have a friend say like, Hey, remember when we did this? And yeah, it's, it's very likely I won't remember it just because it was among those hard times. Um, but yeah, there was, you know, levels of PTSD and oh gosh, all sorts of things related to trauma. So yeah, it was not easy, even though I was not, um, you know, suicidal or anything severe like that, I would say there was definitely a certain level of suicidal ideation, which for me was basically just wishing that I didn't have to live this life, this life of being involved with an abuser and all of the back and forth and just, yeah, being under constant control of somebody who I strangely loved, but was also very afraid of. So although a lot of my mental health challenges have stemmed from childhood and having various adverse childhood experiences, and then also postpartum mental health challenges, a lot of it was also because of the domestic violence that I was suffering from. And then I became pregnant with my second child. And um, at this point, I wasn't on the antidepressant anymore, and I actually can't remember when I went off of it, but yeah, I had a what I felt like a good hold on my mental health, so I went off of it, and yeah, I was pregnant with my second, and oh, I was so excited to have a second child. I was single at the time, um, which, you know, it didn't scare me. I thought, oh, I'm fine. I'm already a powerhouse of a single mom, which, you know, Obviously, we all have days where we think like, oh, shit, I shit the bet on being a parent today. But no, overall, I was pretty confident in my ability. And um, yeah, no, I felt good. And then at the end of my pregnancy, I started to feel bouts of rage. And I was really impatient as a mother. And uh, yeah, I was taking it out on my oldest. And oh, man, it was, yeah, it was not okay. Um, And I didn't realize that was my depression sneaking in. And I didn't know this because previously all of my depressive episodes were really sad and down and I felt unmotivated and incapable and I didn't love myself at all. 
But this was coming in a different way, a way that I hadn't experienced before. There was so much anger. And yeah, it was really the only way to describe it was rage, so much rage. And so I ended up actually having to go back on the antidepressants because I did talk to a doctor about it, thankfully. And yeah, that that did help me. I Yeah, I remember it helping. And then when I was feeling better, I realized, okay, yeah, you haven't been showering. Okay, yeah, you haven't been doing your dishes. You know, your house is messier than it typically would be if you were feeling mentally well. So yeah, those signs were there, but it's hard. It's hard to recognize how you're feeling in the moment until it either gets really bad or yeah, you talk to someone and they say, hey, you need some help. And then my second was born and yeah, I felt a bit of baby blues after the fact, but it was nothing crazy. I actually ended up having an emergency cesarean birth and the recovery was very difficult for me. I had had a vaginal birth with my first and now here I am a single mom to two and I am recovering from major surgery. So yeah, that was pretty overwhelming and yeah, I will say made me feel a bit down, but um, again, nothing crazy. Fortunately, I had a huge support system at this time. So yeah, I got through that pretty gracefully. The only difference that I noticed between the first postpartum journey to the second postpartum journey was that I was starting to have these really intense intrusive thoughts and it was constant. It was 24-7. I was constantly imagining someone breaking into my house and killing me and my children and yeah, abducting them or slitting my throat or smashing my window. Yeah, it was definitely out of control and I should have told my doctor what was going on, but because I was already on the antidepressants, I just assumed that there was nothing else they could do. And honestly, <laughs> I don't think I realized how bad it was until it got better. Yeah, I felt like it was normal in a sense. And yeah, I think that had more to do with the fact of me not telling anybody. So yeah, at this time, the anxiety was a lot more prevalent than the depression. So, so that was more new to me because although I had always had anxiety, it wasn't something that I had ever dealt with head on. And then to top it off, I got a bowel infection from my cesarean. Oh yeah, that was the shit, quite literally. Uh, yeah, so I was pretty sick. And when I say pretty sick, uh, that's an extreme under-exaggeration, but I won't get into that. Um, so yeah, obviously being that sick did not help my mental health. Eventually, at some point, I came off my antidepressants, and yeah, things were fine. I was like, okay... Oh, my life is starting. I have two kids. I am free of, uh, what did I decide I was calling him? Motherfucker. Um, yeah, no, things were good. I was living in a place that I loved and I was happy. And then you guys, I met my husband and yeah, that was the uh, biggest weight lifted off my shoulders. I was in pure bliss, even after the pandemic hit because we had actually uh, met prior to that, like right prior to that, it was January. Uh, so yeah, when the pandemic hit, I was fine. I mean, obviously there was anxiety about the unknown of what our world was coming to, but man, I had just hit the jackpot with this man. So, uh, yeah, no, things were amazing. And 
yeah, he was, he wanted to be part of our family. And so he moved in and we quarantined together and decided to get married. And oh God, it was so good. However, I did continue to have pretty major digestive issues. So at some point I actually ended up going for some tests and a colonoscopy and oh gosh, yeah, the whole nine yards. And that's when I found out that I had ulcerative colitis. And the GI also told me that I had minor signs of Crohn's, which was noted in a prior report from a older colonoscopy. So obviously that was a bit hard because it's this new thing, but yeah, I mean, I had a partner in life who supported me and my children and yeah, it was just a huge ray of sunshine. So although I had this new thing that was hard, I knew that it would be okay. But then (laughs) I ended up entering into a pretty major flare, which they said was uh, sparked from stress because I was planning my wedding and like, oh gosh, I was trying to do it in less than three months and going back to work and obviously just a transition of going from a single parent to, okay, now I have this new person in my house and I'm marrying him. So I was hospitalized for almost a week because of this and I'm not going to go into the details of it because it's uh, long and I think I'll do a separate episode on my entire inflammatory bowel disease experience. But what I will say was that, yeah, it affected my mental health pretty severely because I was on heavy duty drugs. I was so sick. It was really hard for me to even exist, um, you know, let alone be a fiance and a mother. So yeah, I was on bed rest for quite a while after that and slumped into yet again, another bout of depression. And because of the state of my disease, I was actually told that it would be difficult, if not impossible, for X amount of unknown time to conceive a child. So that (laughs) is obviously devastating news because we had been trying to have a third child and... Oh God. Yeah. I just, I was in such a rut of like, why is this happening to me? Why does life keep playing me? Why do I keep getting dealt these bullshit cards? Like, you know, that rut of like, why me? That was me. Yeah. It was pretty heavy. And at this point I was still off of my medication. So I probably should have been on it, but yeah, I just had a lot going on and being as sick as I was, it was hard to take anything extra or focus on anything extra. So the source of my happiness essentially was my husband, which was obviously extremely unfair to him. And yeah, there was a lot of pressure on him. And yeah, there was no healthy coping mechanisms during this time, I have to admit. Even though I had spent an entire life of dealing with hardship, I should have had these tools in my tool belt, or at least that's how I feel. I mean, gosh, I still feel that way looking back on it. But again, I'm trying to learn self-compassion and I'm trying to remind myself how hard it was for me and everything I was going through. But yeah, I just can't help but feel like that was also obviously really hard on my husband. And yeah, it wasn't fair to him for me to put that all on him, but I just felt like I couldn't do anything else. Thankfully, at some point we actually did conceive and Yeah, I remember talking to my GI doctor and telling him 
that, you know, we were trying. And I can't remember if at this point I knew that we were pregnant or not, but basically he had come back and said my blood work was looking really good. And yeah, I was in, or at least headed toward remission a lot faster than they expected. And yeah, and then actually it was after I for sure found out I was pregnant that I talked to him again and my blood work was even better. And he said that, yeah, it looks like my pregnancy helped me get to remission, which isn't uncommon in inflammatory uh, bowel diseases. But yeah, no, it was it was actually a really happy ending for us. So we got pregnant with the third and um, yeah, no, we were super happy. But um, with that being said, I did almost immediately start to experience prenatal depression. And it felt very similar to what I had experienced during my second pregnancy. So yeah, at least I had that in the back of my mind. Like, okay, yes, I'm experiencing rage and I'm impatient with my kids and I am not being the best mom that I could be. So that was nice that it was at least kind of familiar. But it was also worse this go around. Not only was I experiencing the rage, but I was also experiencing the down feelings. Like, yeah, I was quite sad. Um, so it was both. It was the <laughs> ever so familiar sadness part of depression and then the prior rage feelings that I had experienced in my second pregnancy. So yeah, it was uh, it was quite the ton of bricks that hit me and... Yeah, again, thankfully, because I had had this experience already, I went to my doctor immediately, got back on the antidepressants, and it helped me, and that was that. At this time, I was also doing my labor and birth and postpartum doula certification, so yeah, I am a certified birth worker, and because of this, I was learning a lot about perinatal mental health issues and so yeah it was resonating with me and that was another outlet that I had that reminded me that people go through this all the time but also you need to reach out for help in order to feel better. The doctor did tell me to make sure that I stayed on these antidepressants for my entire pregnancy and then also for an entire year postpartum. I actually ended up having another emergency C-section with my third birth, which ended up being completely fine. And yeah, after I gave birth, I felt good. I had a few baby blue days, which is so common. I want to say it's like 80% of birth givers who experience the baby blues. So, and then I felt the postpartum depression. Okay. Yeah, it's creeping in. I can feel it. And so I went back to the doctor and at this point it was actually my family doctor, not the caregiver for my pregnancy and birth. Um, but yeah, my, my family doctor knew my history and yeah, she upped the antidepressants because I had been on them for years. And although it was on and off, we felt like, okay, yeah, maybe this dosage is starting not to work as effectively. So we ended up upping the dosage and that worked for a short amount of time. Some of the things that I was experiencing was depressive episodes, intrusive thoughts, anxiety around many different scenarios, including social gatherings, germs, the health and wellness of myself and my children. I had a lot of negative feelings associated with my body and the bowel disease that I had and my inability to give vaginal birth anymore 
And yeah, it just felt like my brain was so absorbed in constant overload of feeling overwhelmed. I will always have PTSD from the violent relationship that I had. And then also, I believe that I have some PTSD in regards to my health and my hospital stays, which again, I will get into another time. But yeah, it just felt like so much. It felt like so much heaviness. And even when I talk about it now, I can feel it in my chest. Like it just felt like I had been through hell and back. We had gone through a lot of life changes recently. And so yeah, obviously that was not helping the state of my postpartum depression at all. A couple of months ago, I could feel that dark pit getting deeper and deeper. I was not taking care of myself. I was not cleaning myself. I was hardly able to take care of my children. I was so overwhelmed with the state of my house and the never-ending list of things I had to do. I just felt like I was drowning. It was dark and sad and it was like a constant cloud was just hovering over me and any tiny step I tried to take to get out of that, it would just feel like I would get pushed over deeper into the pit. And that depression for me was so angry and I hadn't really come out of that state of feeling like life just wasn't fair and I was constantly feeling like I just wanted to pull my fucking hair out and honestly everybody else's who was around me as well. My anxiety was still out of control. My intrusive thoughts were happening the most often and most consistent that they had ever happened in my life. The array of intrusive thoughts that would pop into my head was just insane. I, gosh, I even at one point started to have intrusive thoughts about my husband having an affair on me, which was just so out to lunch, honestly. I had started seeing a therapist, I don't know, maybe about three months prior to this, and thankfully they are amazing and I have a really great connection with them and so I feel comfortable sharing everything with them and I had been telling them about these feelings that I was having and yeah they encouraged me to speak to my doctor and I do have to admit that I put that off for way too long. It was a new doctor and I just wasn't comfortable with them, so I didn't want to have to talk to them about my anxiety that, again, I felt shame over because I felt like it was kind of crazy. And then one day I was sitting in a chair in our little nook off of our kitchen and I started talking to my husband about how I felt and about how I felt so strange and I felt crazy. And the more I spoke, the crazier I felt. And it was like I was just word vomiting. There was so much pouring out of me and a lot of it was just nonsense. And then all of a sudden I felt like I was acting like somebody that I didn't recognize. And then it scared me and then I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm crying so hard that I'm screaming. And it just, God, it just poured out of me so hard. I don't think I've ever felt anything like that in my life. And yeah, I just... 
so much came out of me. I, I didn't feel like I had anything left in me when I stopped. It was definitely the most out of control mentally I had ever felt. And yeah, I had feelings of how can I go on from this? How can I even look forward to life when I feel this much emptiness? And I mean, logically, I knew that I had so much to be grateful for and so much beauty in my life. I was just so clouded. Logic was completely out the window. It didn't matter what the facts were. Thankfully, my husband is the most caring and supportive person I've ever had in my life. And he just cared for me in the way that I needed. He encouraged me to make a doctor's appointment right away. And I did. And when I was there, uh, they asked me to do that depression test. If you don't know what it is, essentially, it's just like a piece of paper where you mark on a scale at the bottom, you add up your score, and then your number indicates your level of depression, which sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, you go into the doctor's office and you say, hey, I can't function and I don't want to live my life anymore. And they hand you this piece of paper and they say, hey, let's see how depressed you truly are. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but, uh, yeah, I filled out the piece of paper and yeah, I was really pissed off about doing it, but I guess in retrospect, it's a good thing I did because yeah, I got a, I got a pretty high score. It was 22. And so the doctor let me know that that score indicated severe depression. And at the bottom of the page, there was also a scale where you could mark off your anxiety. And that was high for me as well. And I knew it would be. I was crippling with anxiety every second of every day. So the doctor actually ended up upping my medication again. And at this point, I was actually maxed out on the dose. So I figured, okay, if this doesn't work, then I'm going to have to try something else. A few weeks later, I actually ended up going back into the office and the doctor asked me to retake that test that I had taken. And uh, yeah, it was the test that I thought was so stupid before. But when she asked me this time, I was like, oh yeah, no big deal. And yeah, I took the test and I got a score of six. So obviously I was feeling a lot better. This was actually not that long ago. And yeah, it's not the easiest story for me to get out, but neither has any of the other stories that I shared. So I may as well stay on this path of being vulnerable with you guys. I am very thankful for antidepressants. They have been a huge help in my life. And at this point, I have no plan to go off of them for quite some time. I know that a lot of people have weird feelings about them and certain stereotypes and stigmas. But at the end of the day, not all of us have the right amount of serotonin through our brains, whether it be because of trauma or maybe something you were born with or some sort of mental health challenge that you experience, whatever it is, sometimes we just need some extra help and there's nothing wrong with that. I feel very grateful that I've only had to experience one type of antidepressant because thankfully the first one I tried worked for me and I don't experience any crazy symptoms. I know some people who do, but it's better than the alternative and I feel for them. I know some people who experience withdrawal if they don't take their medication on time and thankfully I don't experience that. 
I would say the only thing I really notice is maybe a bit of weight gain, but you know what? I've just come to love myself regardless, so it is what it is. At this point, my depression is controlled. I do still have some anxiety that I am working on, especially with my therapist and various coping mechanisms that I've learned over the years, but yeah, I'm, I feel good. I'm on the right track and yeah, I think the fact that I can sit here and tell this story is a good indicator of how truly good and clear headed I feel. A few other things I do would be some meditation. I've also just recently started doing Reiki. And as I've learned recently, one of the most important things for mental health is actually secure and loving relationships, which I definitely can say I have right now. So I hope that for whatever reason you chose to listen to this, that it gave you what you needed or what you were looking for or maybe it was just a new perspective that you needed to hear. And whatever it may be, I'm just glad that you were here with me. Thanks for listening while we learn to bloom. Mm-hmm.